Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host, Sarah. Hey, geeks. All right, Sarah. So... Uh, we are going to be reviewing the fourth episode of Stranger Things Season 3, or as they like to call it, Stranger Things 3. Um, yes. And uh, this one is uh, pretty action-packed, <laughs> I think, to see. Yeah, the it least. really is. Uh, yeah, I, I was really excited. I remember when we got to this episode, after this episode ended, I thought, okay, this is where the show is really going to start hitting the action button. And, yeah, it's very true. And uh, yeah, not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. No, so, this is definitely it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is a really good one. It was, of course, uh, dropped all in the same day on July 4th. It was written by Kate Trefry, or Trefy, directed by Sean Levy with a runtime of 54 minutes. And this one, uh, the one sentence review I have for this episode is pretty simple. <laughs> the high octane energy hits another level in this excellent episode of Stranger Things season three. I like it. It kind of goes with the elevator. <laughs> it's true. You know, the just <laughs> dropping so fast. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Uh, my one sentence review is that this episode is definitely one of this season's best. It is the push that drives the momentum this season. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So I think we're on point. Definitely. Um, so spoiler, you know, alert moving forward, um, cause we're going to be talking about this. So, uh, let's, let's talk, um, let's talk about what we generally thought about this episode, um, uh, and the things that worked and didn't work in the script. Um, all right. Okay. So let's do it this way. We can talk about the script, but if you want to talk about anything like generally, you know, if you don't want to necessarily dig into it. You just tell me generally what you thought of the episode. Um, and then, you know, if there's anything you want to attack uh, in the script, we can do that. Um, I mean, this episode, like, ran the gamut. I mean, it had aspects of horror. It had action. It had, you know, comedy relief. It, it just, and story development at the same time. It was just like it had everything rolled into it, but it didn't feel like it was forced to. It was Totally. It's like it's the doorway that pushes from, you know, the beginning of the season and everything kind of flows into the next part of the season. It is the transfer. And I think they did a really good job. Yeah, I agree. Um, for me, the script, it works in a lot of ways. First off, they, they do still have, you know, nice character moments, nice character beats in this script. Although, to be fair, it kind of because it veers so much more into the action that they kind of have to uh, give up on some of the character oriented stuff that they focused so much on in the first three episodes and kind of push the action envelope in this one, which is fine Mm -hmm. because we've had three episodes where uh, 
we've really built the characters up and we've kind of been able to really understand what's been going on in their lives up to this point since we last saw them in season two. And I think that's, you know, important, of course. But but now we're to the part of the season where things are really starting to move. I mean, really move, uh, obviously. So um, one of the things I generally want to say about this episode, and it's going to come to be something that you'll hear over and over as we get through each of these episodes. It's something that really resonates for the entire season. And it's, it's um, well, first off, I think it's a criticism that the Duffer brothers heard a lot after season two. And they took note of that. And it is this, the kids are the heart of the show. When the kids are together as a team, when they're working together, when they're confronting whatever they happen to be confronting, that is like the best thing that the show has. That is its that is its heart. And, you know, and in the other characters too, I mean, Hopper and all the struggles that each of these characters are going through every season really is, it's the character stuff that is the most important. I mean, don't get me wrong, the action's really cool, the monsters are really cool. But if you had to ask what really resonates for the fans of Stranger Things more than anything else, it's not the Mind Flayer. It's not the Demogorgon, all right? It's, it's not any of the action stuff. It's not anything outside of the characters and what they're going through and the problems that they encounter and the struggles that they go through, the human struggles that they go through, and the traumas that they both suffer and confront Despite being it so like otherworldly, it's entirely relatable at times. Right. It's grounded in the character stuff. That is what really is the most important thing. And I think one of the things that they heard after season two was, uh, especially with Eleven not being in the group at all until the very end of the season. We're not pleased. (laughs) Right. I mean, it was something that people were really frustrated at. They could understand early on, but it was difficult to to watch her separated from, not just from Mike, but from everybody, it took something out of the dynamic. Yeah. Okay. And I think the Duffer brothers heard that. And I think that's why, you know, Eleven has been so, you know, kind of integral to the interactions with all the kids so far as, A, she's been dating Mike, of course. But even apart from that, she seems to be, you know, friends with Max now. They seem to be, you know, forming this real good, you know, female friendship, which is is great. Um, but in this episode, we see them go after Billy together as a group, confront Billy together as a group, almost get killed by Billy as a group, <laughs> or at least Eleven does. And, sure do. Right. And it, re- literally, it really requires them to work together in order to actually overcome him. And so that's kind of what I wanted to say really from the outset is this is something that you see over and over in this season. When you split the kids up too much, that can cause problems. When they're together, that's when the show really is humming. So, Oh, it's totally yeah. true. Like the kids are absolutely the heart of the show and it's what we're most interested in. Like everything else is just like, you know, it's secondary. It, yeah, it's, you know, it's toppings on top of the ice cream sundae. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. To add a bit of uh, scoops ahoy into there. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. So, um, you know, there are some things that we need, we need to kind of like explain here. So in terms of the plot, we have the aftermath of Hopper's ass kicking. Um, he wakes up on the couch and he has no idea where he's at, what's happened, anything. I mean, he's... He he's, really got his ass headed to him. Yeah, he's been out for, for hours and hours and Joyce somehow managed to get him out of there. And, undressed him, washed his clothes. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. She is super mom for sure. For sure. Um but Hopper, even though he's just he's obviously in a lot of pain, he gets up, he's ready, he's ready to rock. So um Eleven, you know, is still thinking about Billy, brushing her teeth. She's still dealing with the things that she's seen. And they decide to contact, you know, the boys, right? Yep. And uh, that's kind of where things get started, where they, they come together and they like discuss what they need to do, and they kind of work out the problem and what's really been going on. Yeah, yeah the boys get a hold of the girls because Will is, he's the force that's kind of bringing everybody together because he now realizes that he's sensing the mind flare and that we need to get our shit together. Right, and he's really getting his way, right? I mean, they're... They're all together now. Like they're exactly. not even, they're just, there's no girl drama right now because there's no time for that. So Will is kind of like getting exactly what he's wanted this so far this season. Which is kind of like maybe he's just the secret mind flare who's just doing what he wants the, now. Yeah. This, right. That would be great. The secret. Yeah. So, you know, he kind of explains that, you know, the mind flayers here that, that he, he didn't leave. He never left. Uh, that some part of him was still in here when they closed the gate, and that part has been kind of out there biding its time, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting. And uh, now it's ready to to strike. Yeah, it's gearing up. Right. So, um, and then we also kind of like the opening to this episode was uh, Heather and Billy taking Heather's parents down into that ironworks <laughs> place and they confront the monster which it's it's tentacles come it's out just and just, just latch onto their face and just like i don't know suck something out of them suck put something into them i don't know um yeah. like will from season one right but just much more gross <laughs> yeah it's like there it was very dark and you didn't really see much and it wasn't like you didn't see it attack him. <laughs> it was terrifying to watch. Right. Like even though the dad's an, a complete tool, you don't want anyone to get flayed. It's, like, it's just not pleasant whatsoever. Right. So the the dad then appears the next day, chews out both Jonathan and Nancy and then fires them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Which is, you know what, I'd be like, fine, he didn't kill us. <laughs> they don't know what he is, but we all do. And we're just like, okay, it's probably for the best that they got fired. <laughs> right. It's they're true. away from him. Yeah. Uh, Hopper takes a trip to see uh, Mayor Klein. Uh, oh, goes, this is one of my favorites. <laughs> yes, he goes full on uh, Magnum P.I. Uh, and basically beats the shit out of him. He's trying to find out information, right? 
uh, almost cuts his finger off. That was the best scene. Because it's that moment, like, from the previous episode where he's talking to him and he's, you know, sitting all haughty behind his desk, cuts the cigar, you know, just, you know, kind of flaunting he's the mayor and who he is. And this, like, is reverse where Hop is just like, yeah, well, I'll use that to cut your finger off. <laughs> it's just, it's badass. Right. And that's when Mayor Klein, you know, reveals the fact that. You know the the Russians are in Hawkins, and that uh, there are people that basically Starcourt Mall is just a cover, yeah, right. And they wanted the land, and you know this is and they, he gave it to him, you know, because there's people that he doesn't want to mess with. There's people that he answers to that are gonna they need they need things, and he supplies them basically. Exactly, because he's weak and has no spine. Right. So then on the way back, Jonathan and Nancy uh, get into this giant argument because Nancy has been dealing with this shit for however long now, right? Um, And Jonathan, meanwhile, is pissed because in his mind, Nancy got them fired. And he has, you know, as he says, you know, he wasn't born with with a silver spoon. He doesn't have parents he can just fall back on if he you know if she loses a job he has to have a job he has to help cover the bills and all this stuff so to him losing this job was a big deal so uh they get into this this fight which i'll be honest with you through the first four episodes this is the most that jonathan has had to do (laughs) right Um, he's very much not a, a prominent character this season I mean, I'll be honest. I don't really don't think he's really been a prominent character since season one, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know he got together with Nancy last season, and I know they, there was more for him to do last season as well, but I think there was less than season one. At least it felt like it was less like resonant. Um, so I, I don't know what's going on here. I, I, I think he's certainly the next character that needs to have some development history he does he re- he really really does or they need to axe him yeah i, I hate exactly. to say it uh but that's something they might want to consider doing because uh you know he just doesn't have much he isn't i mean he does he have an arc this season i don't even think he has an arc this season i'm just saying oh, that really? generally. <laughs> he's just kind of there i mean nancy has an arc you know she has a storyline this season which i think works pretty well for her um, she follows the leads. She, you know, trusts her gut. Uh, but this whole thing leads Nancy to to go home and and have a conversation with her mom. Which, thank God. I mean, this was needed. It's the for best sure. thing that they have done with her in since season one. You know, season one, I thought, okay, you know, Karen, cool. You know, the first few episodes, she she actually had a decent uh, enough, you know, to do uh, in the show. It felt like she's a solid character. And then last season, she was in like three scenes the entire season. And now this season, you know, she's And the gonna- scenes she was in, they portrayed her as this repressed housewife that just liked smut novels. And, you know, was into younger, hotter guys. Like, that's all they portrayed her as. Well, when you have a serial killer as a husband, (laughs) 
you know, you take what you can get. You take I'm what sure. you can get, but but no, no, no. I mean, but the thing is, like, there just hasn't been anything for her to do. Like, there's no reveal about who she is as a person, right? There's no depth there because they they haven't given her character any time in order to show that. And this is the first the first uh, scene in a long time where I felt like I've gotten anything out of her character. And so she talks to Nancy about how, you know, how life will will crush you and that it'll, it'll it'll crush your dreams, all the things that you've ever wanted, it'll destroy them. It'll make you give up. But that she feels that Nancy is stronger than that. She knows she's stronger than that. She won't let that happen. Um, and it's like this, this really fantastic moment between daughter and mother. And again, like I said, it really resonated with me. It felt great to see that. I just wish we could see more of that. Uh, I'm really hoping that next season they make... I think what they need to do is they need to make Karen aware of what's really going on and make her integral to the rest of the group you know find a way to, right they need to find a way to make her you know aware keep, you know make her into somebody who will actually help do whatever they need to do like she can't be on the sidelines anymore and watching her like suburban reality bubble burst would just be wonderful yeah i mean heck i i think she could you can leave his his dad in the in the dark. I don't. Yeah, yeah, no one cares. Right, he's just out. He's just out killing people. Doesn't matter, you know. Like exactly. he doesn't care because he's out uh, putting more bodies in the ground. And uh, meanwhile, you know they're out saving the world. So he's the one that told him? the Russians to come to Hawkins. Right, right. <laughs> he's been a, he's been a secret Russian all this whole time. Ah, Could you imagine? That would be pretty cool if you find out that he has a Russian accent and he's been undercover in. Kind of would make sense because, like, be pretty cool. When Brenner was like you know, coming door to door, he was like, "He's the one that's like, you know, our government wouldn't lie to us. You gotta trust our government." Like, he's totally a Russian spy. Yes, I'm calling it now. Yep, yep, definitely. <laughs> So, um, you know, with all of that going on, I, I think it really works for them to have this moment where she can instill some of that belief into Nancy. And th- that's what leads Nancy to say, you know what, I'm going to continue fighting and I'm going to continue to believing what I feel is important and I'm going to trust my gut and I'm going to go out there and track this story down i'm not gonna stop and i think that Nothing really back now yeah and it, it's really it's really great so this all leads to her you know contacting jonathan and they eventually uh, will end up at the hospital at the end of the episode isn't um, it, i think it's just her that goes isn't it am i crazy no no it's jonathan uh oh, because okay. she calls him and convinces him uh that you know she's got information that this is important because he shows up you know, in the episode. No, she calls him the next day after yeah. Driscoll's. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm blending four and five together. <laughs> yeah. Um, My brain, man. Actually, it's no. Just go in there. Yeah. Sorry. I'm wrong. I'm thinking. <laughs> so, that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm blending four and five. So yeah, I apologize. 
Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you when you watch two episodes in a row. You start to uh, exactly forget. Although I will like, I will, let's go back to uh, Karen for a second. Uh, remember in season one when she used that little uh, hairpin trick? The to, bobby pin. Yeah, the bobby pin. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, she. I like she pulled her bobby pin out again, like to do that. She uh, went to do that again uh, because she was kind of like worried about mm-hmm. Nancy again. But th- but she doesn't. You know, she starts to. She's like, I'm going to do this, and then she's like, No, no, no. And then that's when Nancy comes out, you know, with tears, and that's when they have the conversation. So, uh, but I really, I really think it works. It was a nice touch, like and a level of respect between them now, like respects her privacy and then Nancy you know, respects her mother's opinion now. Like there's no teenager drama. Right. Because I mean, first off she's out of high school now, so she's an adult exactly. and you know, it's, it's time to start trying to act like an adult. Um, so uh, Robin finds a map. <laughs> Robin's the best. Robin she's like, is awesome. 20 bucks down at city hall gets yep. you blueprints <laughs> yep she grabs like she grabs out of the tip jar yeah and goes down um and grabs it and then comes back she's like oh look this is what we need to do we need we need to go up uh into these du- this air duct dustin tries to do it he can't he doesn't fit and of course so, erica uh, is small enough operation child endangerment <laughs> that's right but Damn it, she is going to get her free ice cream for life. <laughs> She's like, I would never expect her to continue on in the season, like in the show. Like she was, you know, she was Dustin's younger sister, never expected anything to become of her. But I love her. This, she's, this season. she's, she's like, whatever. Like, takes no shit from no one and is like <laughs> annoying, but in this, like, endearing to watch way not to be the one who's getting annoyed but <laughs> she's great to watch and she's hilarious she's like she's like 60 pounds of sass right you know totally. <laughs> but but it's it's fantastic and i love the the relationship that starts forming between all these with dustin and robin and steve and erica and it, it's from the start it really really works and i, and I love it I really love it. Yeah, I totally agree. So uh, Hopper and Joyce go back with Klein to his house, right? Because that's when they get the deeds. You know, they kind of understand really what's what's really going on here. Um, with all of the people coming into Hawkins and all this money flowing in here, Russian money. Um, mm-hmm. So. You know, They're going to have to go some house hunting. That's right. So after having all this conversation and the fact that they've, you know, with uh, Eleven's input, they realize, of course, you know, Billy is the flayed. is flayed, yeah, and he's currently at the the pole, you know, fulfilling his duties, but uh, he's <laughs> he's flayed, and uh, we have Billy. Uh, Going in into the locker room to get dressed, and meanwhile, that's when that's happening. We have Erica getting through the ducks, opening up the uh, I don't know what is the the garage or whatever the doors, so they can yeah, get in into the room to the room. Um, 
Billy starts hearing some taunting. Someone's going, Billy, Billy, you know, and, and really messing with him. Um, so, of course, that's something Billy would hate. He's going to go looking for the punk who's, you know, saying this. Stuff. Trying to be a dick. Yeah. yeah, trying to be a dick. Meanwhile, uh, they get inside, meaning um, Dustin and Robin and Steve and Erica open up the boxes and there's like this stuff, like these vials of goo. Like it's like this green gel. It's like, it's, it's seriously, it is straight out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Secret of the Use. That came out in like 1991. Or Flubber. Or Flubber. Or Flubber. Um, yeah, I wonder what year that came out. Flubber? Yeah. Uh, I want to say 1997. Oh, okay. Am I correct? Not as long as I thought it was. Am I right? I'm looking it up. Yes, <laughs> I am correct. I am correct. Oh, that's impressive. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Secret of the Use came out in 92. No, 91. 91. Yeah, I was a little too young to see it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. So anyway, they uh, end up getting in the elevator and it starts flying down like at warp speed. So... Yeah, like, hitting all there's no buttons. way they should be alive speeds. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Um, so Billy, well, while that's going on, we have uh, Nancy at the hospital, right? Because Mr. Dr- yep, Driscoll. Driscoll, and Miss Driscoll starts screaming, and you can see the black veins, and... It's just, it's nasty, okay? It is just nasty. Because uh, she's feeling what... Billy is feeling because Billy is being put into the sauna room and of course mind flayers don't like heat very much so if the mind flayer feels it all the other flayed connected to the host feels it as well right so that's exactly what they do they lure, they lure Billy into the sauna room and when he gets in there they they close the door right and uh, lock it and they turn up the heat. And you're right. And that's when Miss Driscoll starts going crazy. I feel real bad for Billy during this whole time. Because you see like this scared, remorseful, deeply like like upset, horrified person. Like the real him come out. And it just... How, how would you be able to handle that? You know? Like no one can blame him for breaking down like that. <laughs> Well, I see. I when I was watching it, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was. I thought it was him faking it because he picks up that shard of like tile as he's. Well, like, remember, oh, like he still has control of him, but up until a point, that's when Will started to feel that the flay was around. Uh, but that wasn't until like the very end, and like before with when Will. He still had control over his hands and control for because he could like Morse code them. So I think that the mind flare can only have control of like a certain part of you. I don't know. Like, I think that's definitely Billy, but he was using Billy having this moment as a chance to grab that and then attack. I mean, I suppose I just thought it was just, you know, subterfuge because he he grabs that that tile and that's when will feels the prickles in the back of the neck, you know? Yeah. And I think like, I think it was all real. And then he activated 
And then the Mind Flayer was just using that moment to attack. Right. So, all right. So, so Billy ends up breaking the window and uh, <laughs> going ape shit. <laughs> goes, yeah, basically, goes ape shit. And that's when the heat and everything and the Mind Flayer and he starts turning kind of black veined as well. And the lights are going crazy. And then um, he just runs and just smashes through the door with chains and all. And I love how Eleven is in front of everybody, right? Of yep. course she would be, right? She's got the she's the shield. She's the shield. She's got she's got the power. Um, and sorry, by the way, I, my cat just jumped up on my lap. So if you <laughs> happen to hear purring, it's because she is happy. Hi, Nona. Hi, Nona. Um, so anyway, so she's standing in front of Billy and Billy's looking at her, at least the mind flavor, mind flavor is looking through, uh, Billy's eyes and she throws these, this, uh, barbell with mm-hmm. weights right at him and pins him up against the wall and something happens. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is one of the best things that this show has ever done where Billy, Billy is, is being choked to death here in this moment, right? I mean, Eleven is using all of her power to force that up against his neck and pin him to the wall. And you think, okay, you know, Al's got this right. And then all of a sudden he throws that dumbbell off of himself and directly at 11 and as powerful as she is, he manages to throw it right at her, picks her up, picks her up in the air with his, with his fist. Well, his, well, his, well, his fist, his hand around her throat and starts choking the life out of her. And I want to pinpoint this moment for a reason. 11 has never been defeated. Okay. If you think about it, season one, every time they needed her to do something with her powers to help them, she's done it. Uh, You know, she protected them against the bullies, right? She, you know, threw that van over top of them as they were being chased. Uh, She ends up killing all those guards in the hallway when they're being chased. She destroys the Demogorgon, right? And then if you go back to season two, uh, she ends up closing the gate with her powers at, at the end of season two, right? So there's never been a time where she's been defeated. There's never been a time where her powers have not been enough to accomplish whatever needs accomplishing. And in this moment, as strong as she is, she can't win necessarily here. I mean, it literally takes somebody else to come forward and to smash him in the back. It's the only way that 11 gets saved. Otherwise she probably would have died. Yeah. Now 11 does eventually win this battle. Okay. Because Billy was about ready to kill Mike. And all of a sudden 11 lifts him up and just chucks him right out of the, out of the building, right through the brick wall. And You don't go after Mike. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, it, it took, you know, everything out of her in order to do this. And and I love it. 
but it showed that there's some vulnerability there. And I think that was really, really important because Eleven just can't be all powerful. She can't just easily come in and save the day anytime, you know, they encounter something that they can't defeat by normal means. She right. can't be in permanent God mode. She right. has to have some vulnerability and weaknesses. Right. There has to be limitations. And this was a sign that there are limitations to her abilities, or at least her power level. Um, I think it was really, really important. And we'll get to more of this as the season goes along, especially when we get to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say that after she throws him out uh, through the brick wall, Millie Bobby Brown collapses into Finn Wolfhard's arms here and she's <laughs> crying. And I just got to say, this was not scripted. Really? She was exhausted. They had filmed this scene for hours and hours and hours doing take after take after take. And when she fell into his arms, they first off, they stayed in character, but it was just, she was so exhausted, I guess, in that scene at the end and they they filmed it and they kept the cameras rolling and then uh i guess when they went to edit the episode they loved that so much they felt like it it just fit because it would be exhausting for her she would be emotionally physically and her on just her powers drained at this point and in real life they were all tired but but millie was absolutely exhausted and she was just like, like she couldn't do anymore that day. That was like the last take they did, I guess was that, that take. And so I like, I'm literally like watching it right now. And like, that's such a great moment. Like that, that makes it for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. So, uh, and, uh, he ends up running away. Like he survives. So Billy runs away. He gets back to the ironworks and this is where we have all of the people here, uh, all the bodies of the people that they've taken over. And they are, well, they are <laughs> getting ready to do something uh, disgusting. They're getting ready to do flare things. <laughs> yes, that's, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the to the everything else next episode. Yep. Um. But you know this this episode really really works for a number of reasons. Uh, it is exciting. Um, I think from a script standpoint, we're coming, bring all the characters together, and they're all kind of having these light bulb moments, right? Where the light bulb comes on, they're like, "Oh, oh, this is what's going on." The the kids, the the group with Mike and Eleven and Caleb and all them, they all of a sudden realize, okay, it's Billy. We need to do something about it. We need to confront him. We need to stop him. And then for uh, Steve and Robin and Erica and Dustin, it is, uh, okay, the Russians are here in Hawkins, and I think we can find a way to get into this place and find out what's really going on. And they achieve that goal, even if it means flying down in an elevator. (laughs) And endangering a child. <laughs> and endangering a child. Uh, and for Hopper and Joyce, it's realizing that the Starcourt Mall is a front and that Mayor Klein is really the greedy, corrupt lawyer that he appears to be and that uh, his greedy, greed and corruption are 
what has allowed Hawkins to possibly, you know, be taken over at least to some extent by Russians. Yeah, they're invading. <laughs> Which you gotta remember in the eighties at the height of the Cold War, it was not uncommon to find eighties movies where Russians were the enemy, right? It's very it just, of the time. It was of the time, trust me. I, seriously. <laughs> um so I think that the from a script standpoint, I feel like most of this works very, very well. The stuff with Mike and Eleven and the kids, that stuff is is great. Um I felt like the stuff with Dustin and company great. And I felt like the stuff with Hopper and Joyce worked pretty well. I wouldn't see it works quite as well as the kids stuff here, but overall I think it's a very, very good episode for, for season three. Uh, I don't know where I'd rank it in the first four episodes. I'm not sure that I would rank it at the top, but I think it's in line more or less with the other episodes, the first uh, three episodes. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I think it's probably out of the four, it's my second favorite. Like, I can't put anything in front of you know the friendship that forms between Max and Eleven, but it is... I think second for me. Second for so you? So far. <laughs> okay. Uh, so give me your script grade for this one. Uh, script grade, I gave an 87. And that's because like they did a really good job in developing almost all of our characters and moving them forward. I thought they did a really good job in doing that, but not overloading the episode with so many storylines. Everything felt right. Um, so yeah, 87 for scripts. Okay. I gave it an 88. So we're, we're pretty much in line on par. (laughs) Uh, same reasons. I just think overall it's, it's a good script and it really, it strikes the right tone, uh, for what they're going for. And I think all of the storylines work pretty well here. Agreed. I mean, there's some silliness, but silliness to a certain extent has always been built into the DNA of stranger things because there's always been a slightly playful tone to the show. And I think that's the same thing here. Especially when you got some characters like with Steve and Dustin, you got to keep it a little silly and comedic. Cause that's just, that's just them. You got to yes, keep it that yes, way. D- definitely. <laughs> um, okay. So let's move on to acting. Um, I gave it a 90. Yeah, <laughs> we're pretty on par with that. I'm going 91 because I think they deserve it. I keep giving 90 every single week, but I feel like they deserve a little more this episode, especially with that little tidbit about Millie Bobby Brown. She deserves that extra point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she. she <laughs> yeah, she's just just outstanding. Um you know, and, and sometimes I feel like we, we kind of take her for granted as an actress. Um, but she is like a talent of the generation. Yeah, she is. And, and I'm, uh, I don't want to ever feel like you should take her for granted, you know, because the things she's able to do as an actress are just outstanding. I mean, really, I'm really going to be excited to see what she does over the next few years. You know, as she yeah. transitions from a kid actor to an adult actor, you know, she's still what? 15, I think now. Maybe yeah. 14 or 15. 15. I, I think, think 15. And so, yeah. So she'll, she'll 15. She'll probably uh, 
be turning 16 at some point. So she's eventually in the next few years going to transition from a child actress to an adult. And it'll be interesting to see what she does with that. If she's able to kind of tack on or a, um, maybe more adult roles, you know, where she's able to kind of come out of that without uh, suffering. Like, I think if she's smart, if she could do it, do go to the Natalie Portman route. Because mm-hmm. not many actresses come out of the kid actor uh, kind of phase of their career and able to transition into uh, being an adult actress. Seemingly, she could. She effortless. looks a lot like her. She, yeah, she does look a lot like her. She does. Yeah. Um, and not just like as in like she look looks like her, but it's also a lot with her um, movements and I don't know, just something about the way she talks as well. It's very Natalie Portman. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, all right. Let's do directing. Um, so, oh, oh sorry. Um, my acting, I said my acting group was in 90 years, was 91. So overall, it's in 90. Directing for me was in 88. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, directing for me was in 86. And, but and they really, <laughs> I, they're really great in what they do. Um, I can't really say uh, we've talked about this before. They make everything really fluid and that's something I really like. Everything feels like you have a crap ton in this episode. Like there's a lot of stories progressing, but like I've said, like it doesn't feel like you're putting too much into it. It's they write it in a way that it feels natural. Yeah. And well directed. Right. So, um, yeah, directing. I just think they do a, a fantastic here, job here. Sean Levy is is good. Uh, as a director, he's pretty solid. But I think this show is where he really excels. And uh, again, the color palette, by the way, in this episode is just fantastic. I love the color on point. It's so eighties. Oh, I love it. I love the color. I love the outfits. As crazy as they are, I mean, I don't think people realize this. Um, there, people have been trying to get Hopper's shirt. Seriously? Oh, they love it. They love it. They love his. Sh- and, and not just that, people are, tr- I mean, they are tracking down uh, Eleven's outfit in this episode. Well, yeah. I mean, it's lo- awesome. Love it. It's, it's like, yeah. You can, if you can find it, sell it on eBay. You'll make tons. I really like the black one she had that has all the funky colors on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That almost looks like, you know, one of those um, uh, public transit bus you know um uh covers for the seats you know what i'm talking about yeah yep <laughs> that's so 80s it's great <laughs> it's fantastic yeah it's it's seriously so good um all right so yeah the directing grade is an 87 uh so let's move on to special effects uh i gave it an 87 here uh, i thought the effects were good uh, both with Mistress Skull and all the lights flickering and all the veins and, and the stuff with Billy. I thought they were excellent. Um, there's a few other times where we see some special effects like the beginning of the episode where the minor, the, the flare monster or whatever like, attacks uh, Heather's parents. I thought that was very <laughs> well done. Overall, I just think that the special effects uh, with the budget that they have now, especially this season, they're able to do so much more and I think make it look so, so good. I think they really do a good job. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, I gave it an 89. I just think that they kind of upped it this episode. I mean, you have you know all the 
Billy, Miss Driscoll and stuff, but like even like the elevator when it drops and stuff like that, like that was really well done. And there's really some really good special effects and practical effects this season, this episode. <laughs> yeah, pacing wise, I gave it a 90. I thought it was a very well paced episode. Um, I think they were able to jump back and forth between all of the characters, uh, all the storylines that we, you know, uh, dealt with this in the, uh, this episode, whether it be the kids or, you know, the adults. Um, overall, it felt like there was a nice, you know, flow to the episode. And it really worked. No, I agree. 90 is a, a fair grade. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's overall 90 for pacing. Uh, and then rewatchability. So, Sarah, um, what is your hey, <laughs> like asking you this question is kind of funny because I, I, I know the answer. So anyway, what's your rewatchability grade? Man, I thought it wouldn't be 100 for this episode, but after watching it again, I'm like, yeah, it's still 100. <laughs> it's it is. It's um, it's a really, really good episode that I have a lot of fun with. All right. Um, I think you, people have to to realize that part of the enjoyment of this show is just how much fun you have. Totally. It, there's a lot of fun built into it uh, right from the first season. Uh, the first season was quite dark. You know, there's a lot of darkness in season one, a lot of darkness in season one, but there's also a lot of comedy. And that's kind of like the tone that the show has. It, it has these tonal changes, but they're they're kind of built into the DNA of the show. So, yeah, but it's an excellent episode, and overall, yeah, it's, it's good. So It's fantastic. The funny thing is, uh, your overall grade, my overall grade, isn't exact, exact, down to the point. <laughs> we are both at an 89. Wow. Yeah. Go us. Episode. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. I think we were just, I was a little up on some, you were a little up in some and lower on others. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So. Yep. But anyway, wow. it's a really, really good one. Um, I really love it. Uh, I love this season. I think this season is really fantastic. It's just an outstanding season so far four episodes in um look season one is always going to be for a lot of people the, the favorite season although i've heard some people say this is their favorite and, and i can understand why there's a lot of really great stuff in season three and everything i still love season one the best but you know what so far i can i can just tell you at least at this point season two is in I wouldn't say it's neck and neck with season one, but it's not far off. I think through the first four episodes, this season really is great. I love it. Yeah, I don't think like I don't think any except for season two. I don't think either is better than the other when it comes to season one and season three. I just think season three is you know as good as season one, but it's an evolved version, and I think it's really like I think that's the best part about it is that you're keeping a consistent level of, of quality. Well, yeah. And I, I'll just say this um, without get, you know, giving anything away in case people, you know, I don't know who would be listening finished. to this episode that hasn't, you know, watched all the episodes thus far, but just in case. Whoever it is has a restraint. <laughs> yeah. 
but I think this um this season you're right. It is an evolved show. But if I will if I will give you one complaint that I have, and it's something that I feel like they need to kind of find a way to deal with in the next uh, season. You need to, they need to consider thinning the cast out a little bit. I will say that. Yeah. I will say that. If you look at season one, the cast was for the most part, pretty small. Yeah. Um, and I think that that really helps because you can focus on, you know, characters more and not feel like you have to spread so much across the so few episodes. Um, now, not only do you have the kids you started in the the first season, which you now have Max added to the cast. You also have uh, Robin. You know now you have Erica, and then you had uh, well Lexi. Unfortunately, uh, well we'll get to him, <laughs> but um, but then uh, Bald Eagle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you Him, know. he can be brought back. <laughs> right, right. But you know, the thing is, it's just, you know, you get more and more people added onto this cast and it's getting harder and harder, I think, to give everybody their moment in the sun uh, and make their characters have arcs in the season because you're trying to do that for so many more characters. So they might want to consider, I hate saying it, consider doing uh, some thinning out um, or... Might have to add on a couple more episodes next year in order to accommodate. So, don't know. I was thinking um, today about if they add more characters, like specifically people that um, are like 11, you know, or have the numbers tattooed and have abilities. If they ever go down that route again, I think that the next person has to be a guy and his tattoo has to be 007. Oh, well, that'd just be funny. Could you imagine? That would be, that would be funny. They need to go that route. That would be really good. I think so. But But yeah, yeah, I just want to throw that out there. That has to happen. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that is it for this episode as we, you know, are in the middle part of the season. Uh, Yep, we're four episodes in. This is an eight-episode season. For officially now, at the end of this uh, episode, we're at the fifty percent uh, mark. So next time we will review season uh, three, episode five, which is uh, titled "The Flayed." So yes. look out for that one. And Should be called the nasty. <laughs> <laughs> that goes without saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks Podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. If you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to FreakingGeeksMedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanich. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks.